Alrighty. So, as we start tonight, what I want you to do is, for like one minute, okay, I want you to turn to your neighbor, whoever that is, or somebody around you, grab a friend, and I want you to answer this question, what are the sins that are acceptable in church? Or what sins do we accept? Okay, so let's get some feedback. Let's shout them out. What sins are acceptable in church? Now, I don't mean that we actually accept them, but that go kind of under the radar, unnoticed. Somebody give me... Sorry, did I not explain that clearly? Sorry. Quickly, think of something. (laughs) Perfect. Yep. Gossip is a massive one that we accept in church. Somebody else give me one. Yes. I didn't even tee him up, but he did it. Yes. Excellent. Pride is one. Okay. Anybody else? Being late. (laughs) Thou shalt not be late. (laughs) Okay. Never be late for this, man. (laughs) Okay. Anybody else got one? Anything else that we accept in church? Being there for the wrong reasons. Okay. So a wrong motive in our hearts. It's almost like you've read this, Philippians chapter. (laughs) Anybody else want to throw out one that the thought was? Okay. Right. What's going on here in this passage is this, right? Right from the start of Philippians chapter 1, right through into now, Philippians chapter 2, there's something going on in the background, right? And Paul keeps trying to address it, and he's, he's, he's pushing into it in different parts, right? See, in chapter 1, whenever he's talking about that I'm praying that your love, verse 9, may abound more and more. Whenever he's talking about for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, and then in the chapter 2 here, there's something going on in the background. And the thing that that seems to be going on, that people are coming to church, people are worshiping for the wrong reasons, and they've got pride in their hearts, right? Because look at it in chapter 2, we see it here, verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look, not, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So people are coming along to worship in this church, and there's something else going on behind the scene. There's something else going on in their heart, and it's not true, authentic worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're doing things out of different motives. And the problem is this, and if you're taking notes tonight and you're putting a title on this talk, it's simply this. Because Jesus is king, we walk in purity. Because Jesus is king, we walk in purity. And because Jesus is king, and if we imagine ourselves to be like a house, right, we often think that Jesus comes to us as a house, uh, and we let him into the house, and Jesus tidies up us, right, we're the house, okay? He starts to tidy us up, room at a time, uh, and he makes a good job of us, right? And and, and then maybe some of our sins, we we put it into a different room, right? So this little room over here, that's that's one that Jesus doesn't get to, uh, and we put all our stuff in there. That's not the work of Jesus, right? Whenever Jesus comes to us as a house, it's a total reconstruction job, right? He takes us all the way right down to the foundations, and he builds us all the way back up again. And if Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, which this passage says he is in chapter 2, and we'll get to it here in a few verses, if he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords, then he has to be King over everything, right? King over everything in our hearts and in our lives. So challenge for us this week is, why are we here this week? Why are we here this week? Why do we bother getting up every day? Why do we come along? And see if it's for ourselves and not for the king, then we need to listen to this passage this evening. If it's to do with any other motive other than for King Jesus, 
we seriously need to consider why we're coming along. Here these people are told and encouraged by Paul, verse 5, to change their minds, right? Change their minds for Christ. Have his mind and not their own. Have this mind, verse 5, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have Jesus' mindset. We want to be like Jesus, but we really don't want to have to think like him. Because if we start to think about him and think like him, then it changes everything about us. And look at how Paul goes on to explain what's going on with Jesus. Look what happens. Have the mindset of him, verse 6, who comes and who humbles himself. He makes himself nothing. He becomes a servant. This is the king of kings, the one in heaven, Lord over all. He comes as a servant, born in our likeness, experiences hunger and pain and thirst, And he's obedient until death, even death on a cross. Not just a normal death, but death on a cross. But then we come to verse 9. Imagine at the end of the verse, (laughs) verse 8, there's no hope for us. Sure, there's not. But because Jesus is obedient, because he succeeds where Adam, the first man, falls, and all of us sin, Jesus comes and he succeeds. And then the therefore of verse 9 comes, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of our God and our Father. And we've already sang about it tonight, right? The name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So if this is who Jesus is, if this is what he's done for us, Paul's trying to say, if, if he's come and he's humbled himself and he's, he's went to death, even death on a cross, and he's been risen up from the dead and he's exalted and his Father in heaven has given him the name above every name, the one, the king over all, the one who everybody will worship, then we should walk in purity. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. You see, it's not about ourselves. It's not about us or our kingdom. And for tomorrow, it's not even about your exams. Although you might be tempted to make it about your exams. But everything in life, all of us, every little part of us is all to do about Jesus. And we walk in purity because of the King. And we follow him. Why? Because he's called us and he's went to death on the cross for us. So, if Christ is the key to all of life, and if knowing Christ and becoming like him is what we're meant to be doing, then how do we view it? How do we view Jesus? Because often in our discipleship, we think of Jesus like this, that we're trying to walk along, and we're trying to to be good Christians, but Jesus is just over the next hill. And he's a wee bit further away, and we kind of have to we kind of have to run a little bit harder. We've got to sing a little bit harder. We've got to sing a little bit better. We've got to read a little bit more. We've got to pray better. We've got to pray longer. And then we might catch up with him just over the next hill, and we might get a glimpse of him. And Jesus isn't like that. In his discipleship, as he calls us to follow him, he's right here with us. He's not away 100 miles down the road, but he's here to carry us along with him. So I don't know where you're at this evening in your walk with him. I don't know if you're 
fired up w about him or passionate about him. I don't know if you're here for different reasons other than for living for him. But I know this, that he is right here beside us for us. Not ahead of us. Not chasing us. Not here to give off to us. But he is here for us. To bring us into a relationship with himself. So that we will live like Christians, right? So that we'll live for him. And this is the thing that we don't like, right? Here in this passage, it talks about uh, working at our salvation. Therefore, because we've been saved, verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that doesn't mean you work for your salvation, right? Jesus done it all. He's justified us. He saved us, called us, all of them things. But it means that we work, work, work it out for ourselves. This means it's going to be tough. It's not just going to land on our plate. We can't just have this little saying that sometimes, I don't know where it came from, but let go and let God. That's not going to happen. You're not just going to wake up one day and be a, an unbelievable 95-year-old spiritual Christian, all right, that you can see God's glory in, in your face. That's not just going to happen. Here it says, you've got to work at it. Paul says, work at this. This is, this is tough. Pursue it. Follow it. Press on. Contest it. Fight. Race after it. Exert effort can't be lazy Christians, right? What is that? It's not in the Bible, right? Jesus saves people, he transforms them, and he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be a sleeping saint, right? Our churches are sadly full of sleeping saints. Here Paul says, work, work at it with fear and trembling because you realize who God is. He's the king of kings. And that you work out your salvation, as in you walk in purity, you become more like him. You strive after him and not after yourself. You run after him and not after your own desires and your own passions. So you work hard, you are active, and we don't sit back. And then verse 14 comes, do all things without grumbling or questioning, right? So he's trying to address their heart. You've got to love more. You've got to come to church. You've got to worship here as a body of believers. Carry out your faith with a genuineness in your heart. You don't do it out of rivalry. You don't do it out of pride and all these other false motives. But you have a, a, a unity of Christ-like, a Christ-like mindset. And then that starts to play itself out in verse 14. So if we're like Christ, if we have his mind, we don't do things in grumbling or questioning. And this is the kind of the grumbling and questioning that we all do under our breath, right? And I have no doubt that it has happened this week. Somebody somewhere along the line has asked you to do something. If it's in Kilgamean and I've asked you to do something, I'm really sorry, all right? But we like to break people in Kilgamean, okay? We like to have them really tired by the end of the week. And I'm sorry if you've done something. You'd be like, flipping John's asking me to do something else, all right? But that's what it's saying here. Don't do that. Don't do grumbling and questioning. Don't do that. Don't have that mumbling under your breath. Why? Because you're only here for a certain amount of days. And then whenever your work's done, Jesus will call you home. So you have work to do, right? Now, that doesn't mean that we run ourselves on the ground, but it means that we keep going, right? There's things to do. Do it without grumbling or questioning. Work out your salvation. Be active. Be Christ-like. And then verse 15. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation. You see, we're children, and we're children of God. And sometimes as children, we do moan, and we do grumble, and we get things wrong, and we grumble to our parents. And here, because we've been adopted, he's saying, don't do that, right? 
but as children of God, live for him in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation. And our challenge at this point is this, right? Are you a blown bulb, right, in a lamp? Are you blown or is the power still flowing? And where am I getting this from? One night at our house, uh, I used to sleep with my bedroom door open. And I don't know why, maybe I was scared of the dark. And we had a lamp, and we still have a lamp in our hallway. And uh, it was flickering. Do you know whenever a bulb starts to like really annoy you and it's flickering? There was one flickering earlier in uh, the wee man's office downstairs in Area 1. And I was like, why does that man do that? And I was like, fair play to him. But uh, this light was flickering. It was really annoying me. So in the middle of the night, and uh, I went out to the light, and uh, out to the lamp, and I, I don't know what I was doing, right? I took, took the light bulb out. And I put my finger straight into the... Because I thought there must have been like a wee bit of dirt, right? And I put my finger straight into the, into the socket of that little... Don't do it, right? It was so sore. Uh, like, could have been a whole lot worse, apparently. But um, I'm looking at Darren as if Darren's like, yes. <laughs> could have been a... Yes. <laughs> You're an electrician now, Darren. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, my days. The power that was flowing through that shocked me. Definitely woke me up. And uh, cleaned off the bulb. Obviously, it was the bulb was pro- broken, and I had to go get a new bulb and all the rest of it. But as I was thinking about this for this evening, I was like, right, this is a really good illustration. Here we're told to shine as lights in the world. And for some of us, the bulb's blown, right? We're, for some of us, we're flickering. There's like just a little bit of something there. For some of us, maybe the light is on. But I wonder what it is for all of us. It's easy whenever we're here to shine like lights, right? Because we're wearing a blue top. And they're really, really distinctive. And you're in a group and you can hide in that group and we're all Christians and you've got a verse in your back. But what's it like whenever you're not here? What's it like next week or in two weeks' time? What's it like tomorrow night whenever results come in? Maybe you're not here at worship. What's it like at home behind closed doors? Does your light shine or does it flicker? Or maybe it's out here this evening. Well, if our light wants to shine, if we want our lights to shine in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation, there's a key, and it's in verse 16. Paul says, Shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. The word of life being the Bible. Holding fast to the word of God. And that's what fuels this light. That's what the power source that this light is. If we want to go out and we want to shine as lights, then we have to hold fast to the word of life. We, we hold it and we do not let it go. We focus ourselves in on it. We, we, we take it everywhere with us. We consume it in ourselves. So then we can go out and shine. Do you know what? If I go out into the middle of Kilgamean or town center or any of the other areas this week, and I just bring them John Graham, what good is that to anybody, right? And I don't care how good you are, it means nothing that you bring yourself to people. If, if you're just going, like, you might as well just be a Muslim or a Buddhist or something else, right? But we go out this week to carry Jesus Christ to people, the word of life inside of us, that Christ has changed us, the word of life going out into darkness, into death, so that people may see Jesus and come to life through his word. So we go into this busted and this broken town in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation, and we care for the crooked. Do you ever meet a crooked man? It's always a crooked man. It's never like a crooked woman, isn't it? It's always like a real crooked man, right? You ever meet a crooked man? Like, they're desperate. They're really hard to deal with. We care for the people who are crooked. We have time for those who are twisted. 
And we love the lonely and we stand with the sinner and with the drunk and with the person who has had drugs and with the uneducated and with the sick and with the weak and with the teenage mother and with the local hood and the smoker and the people who are different from us. Because for many of us, we are in this simple mold in Northern Ireland of being middle class and being in church. And Jesus calls us to hang out with people who are different from us. And to bring the gospel to people who are different from us. This week in Kiligamian, we got to encounter some class people, right? This wee fella who got his hair cut by somebody else. Uh, the mate who had never cut his hair before. You tried to do like a pure like piggy blinder and like, I mean, scalp them from like here to here. And then it just like went up like two numbers and then I had the top bit. And he wore a cap to kind of cover it. And like these boys are, are just normal fellas. You go over to them and you talk to them and they have no hope, right? They don't have Jesus. They don't have the word of life. They're in the middle of a crooked and a twisted generation. So they're just following this path away from God because everybody else around them is following that path. And Jesus tells us that he came for the lost and for the people who are different. And whenever we put on a light, especially at summertime, outside, what happens whenever you put on a light outside? What gathers around it? Flies and moths, right? And for most people, most people hate flies and moths, right? But as a Christian, we are called to shine as lights. And you know what? You may think that people look like flies that start to gather around you this week, or moths, little things that you just want. You couldn't be bothered. You'd rather talk to your mate. You'd rather get out your phone. You'd rather play a football or do something else. But there's people that are in need, and they're drawn to you because Christ is in you. We're called to have time for these people, to love them with sincerity and to point them towards Jesus. And if you're a Christian here this evening and you don't want to do that, then you need to think, are you genuinely, genuinely converted by God? Jesus said, I came for the sick and not for the well. I came for the lost and for those who are broken. Think of all of the encounters that he has in the New Testament. Who are the people that he encounters? People who are lost and broken and who are sick and who are weak. So we shine as lights. Here in this passage, the light is meant to be something that guides people. It's the same word that's used in Genesis, right? So we guide people towards Jesus. So as we close, Jesus is king, right? That's what's going on here in that that, that little section that we hear about him, that little description. Like, we can't go into great detail on it here this evening, but maybe tomorrow in your devotions you can. That bit's all about him being king, the humble king, the servant king. And tonight we have to think differently. We have to think differently than the world. We have to think like Christ and have his mindset. And for some of us here this evening, that means that on the back of this, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to repent of how we have been thinking, how we have been processing things. And for some of us, we're going to have to repent because we haven't walked in purity. Because of all of this, then verse 12 comes. Therefore, therefore we walk in purity. We walk as the king walks. We are under the king. For some of us here this evening, we're in rebellion. And we're walking our way and not his way. And we have been walking our way and not his way. And the king calls us to come back to him tonight. You see, Paul's point is this. If we're going to shine, we have to be obedient first. We can't shine if we're not being obedient. He says, come, follow Jesus, be sincere, be obedient, and then shine as lights in this world so that the Father may get all the glory. 
So we need to go. We need to be light. We need to be like King Jesus. And we need that power tonight from him. And we need to hold fast to this word of life. Why? Because I want you to imagine this. And with this, we're closing and the band's going to come up. This is who we are. And this is what people are like. It's like a pure pitch black room, right? I went to a holiday with our boys. Went away on a holiday. And we went into a haunted house. And I'm pretty sure the boy that was running this haunted house on holidays was on drugs. Because I was never scared in my life. He was, like, giving us this safety warning. And pretty much been like, some people don't make it out of here. And it was definitely very, very dodgy, right? And we went in. And I have never been in darkness like it. I, don't, like, I mean, pure black. And all he said to us was, there was a group of nine of us boys. And we are in, a, like, a conga line and behind each other, right? And you had to grip the man in front of you. And it was like a fight for who would go at the front. And... All that you had in this little room, each place that you had to go into was a little red dot in the roof. And all he told us was keep walking towards the red dot. Right? <laughs> and in the middle of all that darkness, there was lots of really scary things happening, right? People running at you and all this carry on and boys shouting at you, he's beside you. And then you'd like the lights would go off again and you'd be there. everybody's been in a haunted house, right? It was really scary because one of our boys had loads of bruises up his side from one of our other mates who like gripped on them so tightly. But... <laughs> And that is, that, is, that is totally genuine. Um, nobody knows him, otherwise I'll tell you his name. But um, anyway, the point of this is this. In that room, there was the tiniest of lights. And the man's, the man's advice was, follow that little red, just walk towards that little red light. And for some of us here this evening, we've got to walk towards the light again this evening. That is our Lord Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the light of the world. Because we have walked in darkness before this week. Maybe during this week we have been walking in darkness and we haven't followed him. We haven't followed the supreme light and we're expected to go out and shine like lights and we're, we're dark. We're in the darkness. So our call tonight is to follow that light, to follow him, to come back into his presence, into his wonderful light, in the light and in the life and to know him again, to just read his word again, to just read a couple of verses of it and see him for who he is, the God who saved us. And then as we do that and process that this evening, we go and we call other people to follow the light. That's our simple message, isn't it, this week? Follow Jesus. Look to the light. Walk after the light. Walk after him. Follow him. Because he'll lead us out of darkness and into this wonderful light. Let's pray. And then Ben and Beth are going to sing for us. Heavenly Father, Tonight we understand that your son is king over all and because of him we should walk in purity. Father, tonight for many of us here we recognize that we have not walked in purity but we have walked in darkness. And you have called us to be lights in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation and Father, we have failed you. We haven't had your mindset. We have, we have acted out of rivalry and out of our own pride. And Father, tonight we ask for your forgiveness. And Father, we thank you for the simplicity of your word that calls us to come and to follow you again. That Jesus isn't over the next hill, but he's right here and he wants us to walk with us. And for us to walk with him and he wants to pick us up again this evening and set us back upon himself, the rock. So Father, please help us. Help us to think like you. Help us to walk and be pure and and be genuine Christians here this week. So we must shine light in the darkness so that people come to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.